KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. And indeed, we are Saturday again. The weather is upon us. Uh, Maybe here, maybe gone, maybe here, maybe... Well, anyway, we live in that part of the country. Phone lines to discuss this and ice melt, snow melt, snow shoveling, how uh, sealing your concrete and asphalt makes that job of clearing the snow and ice easier. We can talk about that and more here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby here at your service. Ten phone lines wide open to talk about anything important to you related to your home, the buildings we are responsible for, fixing, repairing, preparing, and cleaning up after gatherings of new proportions according to the new pandemic. Latest update, Well, never mind. I've had enough of that. Maybe you have too. Perhaps we can kick this thing off, usher it out, shoo it away, and move on to 2021. Phone lines for you for many, many years. The same numbers that you've enjoyed over the past, oh, I don't know, as long as I've been here, 30 plus years. 314-436-7900 to bring your phone calls, topics, favorite uh, uh, products, methods, and solutions. We are indeed the family of University of KMOX and the answers come from all around listeners, callers, me, as well as many notes that I have taken over the, I don't know, more than two decades I've been on KMOX here. So I've gathered a lot and, you know, not many of those answers have changed. They remain true as they were before. However, some of the processes and methods of construction have dramatically changed over the last many years because fortunately, as a world, as a community, as an industry, we continue to move ahead and improve. Phone lines for you, 314-436-7900. Toll free anywhere on the planet, 800-925-1120, The call letters here at University of KMOX. We are broadcasting live on KMOX Terrestrial Radio, or AM, uh, KMOX 1120, uh, for on the dial and as well if you would like on radio.com radio.com and also kmox.com kmox.com new and improved website here i think you'll like it and all the various ways that you can instant rewind you can go back to podcasts you can go back years on podcasts and hear some of the silly things that we've discussed here including how to get roaches from out underneath the floorboard one of the funniest questions i've ever had was indeed that and it was around riding those she's oh they're huge they're large enough to ride and i said well right you know anyway on we went but it was a humorous exchange uh, i will share with you also perhaps one of the uh, more challenging questions that I have on KMOX and it's from many years back and it, 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 I was sure it was a prank call but it turned out not to be a prank call I just thought it was kind of humorous so all of those things are important and uh, pertinent as we move forward because you know what humans are funny we are funny creatures. We have uh, things that we believe in, things we don't believe in. We have our biases, all those things that just come with getting up in the morning and deciding, 
you know, what color shirt do I wear today? So judgments abound in everything, some good, some not so good, all of which keep us safe, healthy, and aware. We can talk about this as it relates to our homes, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I want to wish you a happy new year. Truly, a happy new year. Uh, I've seen some really funny things about how to kiss off 2020, like goodbye, adios, uh, adieu. Uh, so I'll, uh, and again, I've enjoyed the humor. I look for the humor in things. There are many things to laugh about. Most of all, me. I tend to generate enough humor just for me. Um, you know, so for crazy people like me, uh, you know, I crack me up, you, you know, it, my my wife looks at me and she says, yeah, you are pretty funny. I uh, You surely entertain me. Phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Uh, I will be talking about various topics today, one of which, of course, ice melt, how to get that stuff off and away of the pavement you have, uh, the various types, how salt factors into that. Also, MoDOT and IDOT, the Missouri Department of Transportation, that's MoDOT, Department of Transportation, IDOT, Illinois Department of Transportation. Those are the folks responsible for putting chemicals and scraping our streets to keep them clear, as well as the city of St. Louis, county of St. Louis, and the various municipalities around our area. Again, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Remember, this is an important heating season. All those things that relate to heating, furnaces, filters, air uh, circulation, uh, the MERV, the MERV ratings of the various filters, how tight those filter meshes are and what they screen out at various levels. We'll talk a little bit about that. The higher the number on a MERV scale, the smaller particles as well as bacteria, sometimes viruses can get through or not, but uh, you know they'll get uh, connected to something else and then the something else is bigger and it gets filtered out. Also, the ultraviolet light effect of viruses and all those magical new slash maybe not so new older um, methods of cleaning the air uh, they surely uh, work so anyway we'll talk about this new ultraviolet light you might hear from your heating and cooling contractor service company whatever it is we can put a special light in there that kills the virus uh, you know flu pneumonia covid whatever it, you know, that stuff works. Uh, it's simple because you throw that virus out in the sunlight, it perishes. Well, you know, it might morph into a few other things. It, it carries, there are enough uh, biological critters running around on this planet. We can carry around the viruses and keep them going just fine. Thank you very much. So when it gets out in the air, airborne, it is not very uh, long lasting. And when you you know, put this ultraviolet light to it, that also affects this stuff uh, to a negative degree for the virus, positive for us. So anyway, I'll talk about that. Filters, heating and cooling, we can get into thermostats, you know, how those affect the, the areas, uh, ice melt, uh, the various things we talked about. Now, let's go to filters. Uh, filters are uh, close to my heart. Uh, I believe in furnace filters. Understand that the tighter filter membrane you put in, the higher the MERV, M-E-R-V, um, 
that means it's capturing smaller and smaller particles. Uh, above 13, I think, is good for capturing vi viruses. When you get above 7, you start limiting the flow of air through that filter because the tighter the fabric in that filter media, whether, you know, half inch thick, one inch thick, one of the four inch, three or four inch accordion type uh, natural filters, all those things, uh, the tighter and smaller particles you gather restricts or limits the amount of air passing through that filter. And that puts a bigger load on your furnace blower motor uh, and it uh, limits the amount of air going through because it's, you know, akin to, you know, putting a piece of cardboard in there. You know, a cardboard has very low um, passage of air or not. And then when you put filter elements in there, allow some air through. My point being that anything above a MERV rating of 7, uh, 7 will pretty well gra grab your uh, dust particles. 7, 8, 9 uh, really get smaller dust particles. You get above, you know, 12 and 13, and by golly, you're really getting, uh, you know, viruses and uh, pneumonia and, you know, bacteria, that sort of thing. Phone lines, 314-436-7900, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We're going to take a pause, come right back for more, and get right to the phone lines here on KMOX. Radio's BS Detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio. KMOX. Oh, yeah. Back together. And we are in hour one of the KMOX Home Improvement Show, the Helitech Home Improvement Show. And we have lots of things to talk about here today. Ice melt, certainly. For those of you that responsibly and proactively seal your concrete, your asphalt, uh, decks, all those sorts of things, when you seal that material, you somewhat close up the open pores in concrete and wood uh, and on asphalt as well. So asphalt is an emulsion, which means there's this material floating around and it lays down and then kind of creates sort of a sheet material for your asphalt blacktop. Uh, when the slicker, slippery, tight, sealed, smooth surface on asphalt is much easier to clear with a blade or snow shovel or a snow blower. Certainly easier for ice melt to melt the the ice and turn it into a water and keep it in that liquid form until it evaporates. So sealing your asphalt is very important, number one, for protecting the actual paving material itself. Number two, for closing the pores. So any ice or water that lays on that material, that asphalt, doesn't grip down tightly deep into those pores of the asphalt. Same for wood. If you seal your deck, it doesn't matter whether it has color in it or clear, whatever. If you put a sealer on it, uh, as well as spilling, you know, barbecue grease from the barbecue grill, you know, that seals the wood. It also stains it as well. And think about that because a sealer basically puts a material that bonds and keeps things from sticking to it again. It's, it's effectively an attractive stain or a big grease spot, if you will, in some ways. Uh, so it's effective, but it also, if you get it wet, can be very slick, slippery, and hazardous at times. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, as you go into concrete, stone, 
bricks, those sorts of things, it's all the same. So the more you prepare, the more you seal, the more maintenance you stay on top of, uh, you know, an ounce of prevention beats a pound of cure. Now that is ever more true uh, when you're trying to scrape snow and ice off of a porch. And we're early January. We're in the beginning of snow season here in St. Louis in the Midwest. So just be aware that uh, being prepared for this, you know, is the time. Uh, When we get into various things about uh, ice melt, you know, there are different kinds. If you have pets, that's important. Uh, Being nice to the plants around it, your landscaping, you know, that's also very important as well. So keep in mind that uh, the various chlorides uh, types of materials. In uh, normal days, salt, you know, just rock salt. We used to throw that down on everything in the early days, maybe 50 years ago. Rock salt is uh, sodium chloride, NaCl. So that stuff is inexpensive. Uh, It's very effective. It goes down to a very cold temperature and it's gritty. So it does provide a little bit of traction on that. That's important. Then you get into calcium chloride and it it absorbs moisture. It's safer for concrete. Anything that is uh, a chloride does uh, hasten the demise of concrete. But just keep in mind that it's good in in extreme cold and it's pretty good um, for, uh, you know, just melting the ice and keeping it going. Magnesium chloride needs to be applied in bigger amounts, but it's less corrosive compared to rock salt. And uh, generally, it's in a liquid form. So when you see a big tanker truck running down the highway, spraying a liquid on the road, uh, it's usually uh, magnesium chloride, and it's pretty pricey stuff. So that's why you see so many other things going down instead of that. Uh, Then you get into calcium magnesium acetate, which is a CMA product. Not very corrosive. Also uh, sold in liquid, biodegradable, concrete safe, ice melt, all that kind of stuff. When it says concrete safe, safer, uh, better. Uh, But when you hear about um, pouring concrete as it relates to uh, home construction, foundations, and patios, uh, when we want concrete to um, speed up its curing, or drying, as you might think of it. Uh, We're trying to hasten a chemical process. We will add chloride. So if we're pouring a foundation above ground and we've got this concrete sticking up in the air, all these forms, and we're going to fill it up with concrete and it's going to get cold, say 32, 33 degrees, maybe even down to 28 degrees at night, we will add chloride to it, which is basically we're adding a form of salt to the concrete mix, which hastens and speeds up the chemical reaction. Uh, One of the byproducts of curing concrete or concrete drying is it is a chemical reaction and a byproduct is heat. So when we pour concrete, uh, consumers often ask this question, a lot of radio listeners, how cold can we pour concrete? Well, when the forms are sticking up in the air and it's a foundation, generally you need to kind of cover it up because the weather is all around it. So that's where you will see these big blankets or they look like big tarps or tarpaulins that are draped over a foundation, sometimes on concrete pours. That's one thing. When you're pouring concrete and footings down in the soil, in the ground, or a slab on the ground, uh, you have the soil temperature that starts working for that. So now you've got this concrete thing that's creating a chemical reaction and warming up itself. 
the soil also from the bottom keeping an above freezing um, mass if you will so that keeps the concrete pretty well and then when we cover it over with a tarp uh, the risk that then happens when you cover concrete is if you get the plastic or the tarp or this blanket as we call it when that touches the concrete it it creates these marks or uh, sometimes a pattern on the concrete it takes a while for that to work out because what happens is you've got that area where whatever this thing is the tarp plastic whatever is touching the concrete and it's curing at a different rate than the stuff around it, even like a leaf. So you get a leaf blowing on it, and you wind up with a leaf color. Well, that might be some of it from the tannic acid in the color of that maybe oak leaf. That's one thing, but also you're covering how fast the moisture leaves that concrete, and you're also kind of changing that as well. Let's go to the phone lines, enough of me. Uh, phone lines 314-436-7900, toll free 800-925-1120. Let's start out with Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help hey, you? Hey, good sir? morning. Uh, talking about driveways, uh, this year for uh, I finally sealed my concrete driveway, so I'm, yeah. you know, and things look pretty good on it, but I haven't put any salt on it. And uh, my question is if I put salt on it, uh, is that going to mess up the seal that I put down there? Uh, everything messes up the seal you put down there. The salt is not so. Um, uh, corrosive on the sealer because think of the sealer sealers like a film of uh, plastic if you will an acrylic type material usually uh, so it separates the salt from the con sooner or later the salt soaks through that sealer because concrete is porous so it's uh, if if you uh, put a, an ice melt of any kind on top of the sealer, it will shorten the life of that sealer. Anything you do, including the sun and wind and weather, will do that. But don't worry about it. It's the concrete that costs a whole lot of money. It's it's pretty easy to rinse off an ad site uh, ice melt. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, so way to go on sealing the concrete. What did you seal it with, if I may ask, Bob? I used a pretty good, actually, I, I, I went to a commercial uh, guy down off a of filer, and I got uh -huh. a really good sealer, and uh, I tell you what, I, I, it, every time it's like we had that snow the other day or whatever, yeah. uh, that stuff just kind of repelled off it. You know, I mean, it was yeah. it was pretty dry quick, and so I'm really glad I did it, you know. Yeah, the commercial products usually have a higher concentrate of whatever their active ingredient is. Uh, they're a little less uh, consumer friendly, so uh, they put them in the hands of pros. So if you've got the, uh, I mean, once you clean the concrete, once you have it ready to go, my gosh, an expensive product or a cheap product, we're just talking about how many years it lasts. And, you know, if it year, lasts three years instead of two or five instead of four, you know, that's 20 to 30% longer. You know. They said this one would be about seven years, but. Whether that's true, I mean, who knows, I guess, you know. But, well, it, you uh, know, it, it's all relative, you know, so seven years sounds pretty good to me. It beats a, most of the retail products are recode after two or three because, it, you know, you just can't put um, caustic products or whatever it is in the hands of an untrained somebody. So, you know, if they're going to sell it to the whole world, then by the time the attorneys go through it, the attorneys turn the product into kind of a Casper milk toast sort of product. So. Sure. Well, Scott, I appreciate your help. Thanks, man. Okay, Bob. Hey, good work, brother. Way to seal that thing. All right. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Keep in mind, so Bob sealed his concrete. Uh, the sooner you get to that, the better. You really have to let the concrete finish doing its thing. Uh, gosh, we're into concrete today, or at least I am. Uh, concrete 
reaches 90% of its strength in the first 30 days. 70 degrees Fahrenheit, so normal, you know, spring-fall temperatures. Uh, it's not too hot, not too cold. Uh, normally, concrete hits 90% of its compressive strength in a month. And then the next 50 to 100 to 1,000 years, however long, as evidenced by some of the concrete in the Roman Empire from, you know, thousands of years ago, that stuff's still there, for heaven's sakes. Concrete continues to get harder. It continues to cure. Being a chemical reaction, uh, you know, it just keeps on going. Uh, but, you know, so that's why, uh, and I think, I, for, I forget what it is, 70% in two or three days, something like that. So that's where when you pour a driveway or a, you know, patio, whatever, you, you know, the contractor will say, do not drive on this stuff for, you know, two or three days. And by golly, do not turn your power steering front tires on it without rolling for seven to 10 days, because you can just tear the top surface of concrete apart, um, you know, as it is. 436-7900, that's 314-436-7900, and uh, toll-free 800-925-1120, So the various types of ice melt, the best thing you can do, and we will have a little, you know, couple of days of Indian summer. I know how it comes every now and again uh, I remember on several New Year's days you know throughout my life you know it hits 70 degrees and we're out playing you know just uh, whatever glorious winter summer uh, Indian summer uh, item we have so keep in mind those temperatures come around again that doesn't mean you can reseal your driveway because it is the material surface. It's the pavement temperature that counts. So when you're in March in the springtime, uh, the sun hasn't yet warmed up the soil, which is warming up that pavement. My point being is when you get a couple of warm days in January or February, that's not the time to seal your driveway because the temperature of that material is going to be close to the temperature of the soil, which in January and February can get down to, you know, 55 degrees, 45 degrees, you know, very cold. So anyway, keep that in mind. Let's take a short pause here on University of KMOX. This is Scott Mosby. Phone lines are wide open for you. 314 Three six seven nine hundred toll free eight hundred nine two five one one two zero nine two five eleven twenty. We'll be right back. News Radio eleven twenty KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Wow! Yeah, baby, a little moonwalk backwards here in the studio. Ooh, oh, hit the wall. Oh, ooh, excuse me. Oh, uh, never mind. Not, not yet. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We have phone lines for you, and I am here just enjoying my Saturday. And perhaps you're out there as well trying to warm it up a bit. Uh, phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Do I remodel my home or move? Well, that's a classic. Uh, based in all of that, keep in mind that um, wherever you are and wherever you move to, uh, the housing stock in the United States, pretty much uh, most homeowners have avoided the expensive items, you know, the costly items, the things that really recreate a home or make an old home newer. Uh, so uh, basically, uh, if you're going to move, 
uh, away from the house that needs a couple of bathrooms remodeled and a kitchen, uh, the reason to go is more not remodeling based. Maybe it's closer to your parents, your grandkids, uh, closer to the church, the synagogue, places in, that are important to your life and your soul, all that sort of thing. Uh, those are indirect benefits. But the issue is when you look at an existing home, it's probably going to need to remodel the kitchen and the bathrooms as well, or they've been remodeled versus remodeled that as well is kind of a, a problem so just realize that it's about going it's the indirect items in home remodeling that make it important to move and improve but generally when uh, we work with a client on an existing home and they decide they're going to move we just talk to them six months later after they found the different home and for the various reasons of school district and family worship and all those things then we wind up remodeling that house as well at Mosby Building Arts. Uh, let's get to the phone lines here and uh, see what's happening with my friend Tim. Hey Tim good morning welcome to Cam Wex and how can I help sir? Uh, uh, thank you very much, and uh, Happy New Year. I have an issue in my commodes. Um, I live in South County uh, by um, at Butler Hill and, and 55, okay. and I've lived in this general area uh, for quite a while. Um, I just bought this house uh, quite a year ago, and I noticed that in the commodes, when the water refills, uh, there's obviously the... Uh, water comes down in, in various streaks and, and around the, the bowl and all from the, the various vents, uh, water vents. But um, it, it's leaving a black stain mm -hmm. uh, that looks like iron. Let's see. I want to say uh, there's a type of iron I know that's black. And uh, it's uh, but it's not in the where the water comes in. It's on the edges of the water stream. Sure. And sure, I was sure. wondering if there's some issue the the tank is has been gone through by a professional plumber and um, he did a great job and has everything fixed. But is is this and I have copper plumbing in the house complete. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a little confused as to what would cause those black streaks, because about every week it builds up to the point where, you know, OK, you got to you got to clean the house. But uh uh, I, I was curious. I've never seen this before in, in the other places that I've lived in South County here. Uh, and I've been really close to this area, so it should be the same water supply, I would think. Hey, so hey. if you could help me with that, I'd be very grateful. Uh, Tim, what you're facing is a buildup of lime or mineral deposit on the inside of the China Bowl itself. So over many years, the... Um, uh, lime, the mineral, the stuff that's on your showers, you know, all that stuff that builds up and makes hard water spots. That's what it is. So you've got a very thin, almost invisible film of lime sandpaper laying on top of this porcelain glass surface. What happens is the minerals, the deposits, and the iron sticks to that lime. So if you can think of little, very tiny, minute uh, grits of lime sand sticking there, it's that which is gathering the minerals and showing the color. So if you clean this porcelain really clean, slick clean, uh, those mineral deposits will last a month or month and a half before they come back. So the way to do that is is good old-fashioned vinegar. You know, just go to the grocery. I, I, I answered this show probably 20-something years ago with myriad I, I already acid. Have some. I already have some. So it's yeah. that simple. 
do yes. I put it in the tank and let it flush down, or do I, or do I go ahead and do put some in the tank and also get crazy going with a uh, what kind of brush do I use? Uh, time, uh, no brush for as long as possible. Basically, put it right in the bowl. If you can, turn the water off to the toilet so that, and then flush it. And what that does is it drops the water out of that yes, bowl. And then just take a, the way I do it. I mean, I'm, I get a little, you know vinegar happy i'll put in a half gallon or you know for two dollars i put in a gallon of vinegar and basically oh, yeah, take cheap. a toilet brush yeah yeah slosh the stuff around up underneath the edge there too up where the water starts yes yep. all you're trying been, to do I've is get that. this acid on that lime coat and you know then my wife gets really crazy and she puts saran wrap over the bowl you know, well, I don't think that's necessary. She just doesn't like to smell the, the vinegar. But I go in there every few hours. I just stuff the toilet, you know, brush in and slosh it around. The goal is to get the vinegar on this stuff. And the longer you can wait, the better, because after 20, 30 years, you know, especially South County hard water, um, it, that's all it is. Um, so somebody's been resistant to using CLR, Lime Away, whatever it is, uh, uh, or hits it with Clorox or chlorine ble- bleach, which doesn't do anything for this. So you're just trying to get the sediment buildup off the porcelain. Okay, does CLR uh, uh, work? To, yep, but to so get does the... vinegar. You know, I mean, you don't okay. have to hit it with a hard acid. You can just give it with, you know, I mean, CLR. Well, I have, I have both. That's why yeah. I was asking if I could. It's the same thing. Yeah, okay. one's organic and the other's, you know, a little more potent. Uh, so, yeah, you can hit it with the CLR, but it, it's the same thing. I, and I just, I, I do this, you know, when I go to bed. I just dump this stuff in at night, slosh it around. Generally, I miss, I don't want to, you know, pull the saran wrap off the toilet bowl. I just go <laughs> and slosh it around. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm a guy, you know. I, I do it when sure. it's convenient, you know, so. anyway, Same here. All, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. Tim, that's all, you're, that's all you're facing there, brother. Oh, okay. So this isn't uh, uh, a matter of, well, I guess it's a matter of the hard water, but also uh, the age of the uh, commode itself. And and uh, uh, just, uh, oh, I've also, uh, quickly, I've also heard that uh, some people say that uh, if you take uh, WD-40 and, uh, you know, empty the tank or empty the tank and, and turn the water off, I guess, and, and flush it and all that good stuff, that that, that helps to... Uh, uh, get things taken care of, but uh, is that actually something that um, is is realistic, or is that uh, um, much easier just to use the vinegar? Well, the vinegar fixes the problem; it eliminates the uh, mineral buildup. The WD forty works, but it only puts a cover over the lime; it does not remove the lime. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. And the WD, right. once you get clean porcelain, it's really hard to get anything to stick to it. So putting WD-40 on your clean porcelain, there's nothing to stick. So, I mean, it'll be gone in a week. Okay. Very good. Thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate it. And I <laughs> better get out my vinegar and my CLR. So thank you so much. Okay, Tim. Keep you in a happy new year. Oh, God bless you, brother. Thank you. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. This is one of the things where my answer about 20 years ago uh, was, you know, I mean, I'm from the world of construction. You know, the bricklayers come out and they pull out their muriatic acid and they mix up one quart to five quarts of water or four quarts of water. And, you know, they they muriatic acid wash the brick after... So I'm halfway through using muriatic acid on this description. A woman calls up and she said, "Um, 
you know, I don't like to pop your bubble here, Scott, but, you know, vinegar does the same stuff. It's usually in the cupboard, costs a whole lot less. You don't need rubber gloves. You just kind of go in there and, you know, it's, it smells like a salad when you're cleaning the place. And it's like, yeah, lo and behold, yeah, it does. And, you know, the next week I ran into a plumber, you know, it, it, doing work in Mosby Building Arts. And the guy says, yeah, didn't you know that about vinegar? It's like, yeah, we do. He says, I carry two gallons in the back of my truck all the time just for this. It's like, uh, yeah. So anyway, there we go. And, and, and thus, my explanation of being a student here on KMOX as much as being an answerer. Uh, let's go next to my friend, uh, Tony. Hey, Tony, good morning. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Good morning. Uh, well, my original question was, <clears throat> you're talking about uh, asphalt and concrete. Yeah. I've got an asphalt driveway, and I sealed my driveway, I don't know how many years ago, four or five, whatever. But I'm, the, I'm pretty much the only one who drives on my driveway. So how often should I seal my driveway? And plus, I've got a few cracks. I, I probably should uh, replace my driveway. You know, it's, it's not horrible, but, you know, it's got a few cracks. And mm-hmm. how often should I seal my driveway? Uh, what should I look for? And and also, uh, I was listening to your caller about the uh, stain. I bought this house uh, probably 10 years ago, and I've been working on uh, cleaning my toilet. Mm-hmm. And I've been putting this chemical stuff, this spray foam stuff right. in my uh, toilet. Uh, and it's not really working too good. I, I let it sit for a couple hours, and, and then I take the toilet brush to it. And and I have heard about the vinegar, but I haven't tried it. Yeah, it's so easy, so cheap, nothing to lose. I mean, MSD okay. is happy processing the vinegar coming down the sewer pipe, so it's not a big deal with it. It's just a low-grade, yeah, and your, you know, your foam product is more of a disinfectant, so it's not really a lime-scale remover, which is all this vinegar stuff is. So it is just so easy, and, and if I'm wrong, it costs you $2 and you tried. You're, I guarantee it'll be cleaner than when you started, so you, you really have nothing to lose giving it a try. Okay. Yeah. And, and what was your other question, Tony? About my asphalt driveway. I sealed oh, yeah. it, I don't know, five, six years ago. Uh, I've sure. somewhat sealed the cracks. I put that sealer stuff over the uh, cracks yeah. and tried yeah. to work that into the cracks. And uh, it doesn't look too bad. But, I mean, as far as seeing the white in the, you know, yeah. that's what I guess supposedly you're supposed to look for is the white in the asphalt to help uh, recoat it. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the, your measurement for recoating the asphalt is how smooth the surface is, because after a couple of applications, every you know, asphalt gets recoated usually about every two to three years. Um, that you're not really driving on it a lot does affect it a little bit. It's mostly just the weather, uh, and I'm staying out of the cracks for just a moment. So when you start to see the heavy rocks and the crevices between the stones 
in your asphalt mix itself, when you no longer see a nice, smooth, consistent surface, you know, like a you know piece of glass on a tabletop, uh, that's when you reseal it. So every couple, two or three years, uh, you know, you're in pretty good shape on that. But when those cracks come, you want to put the crack sealer in because that's a different product entirely. But what happens is when you have a crack in asphalt, the water goes down and starts to uh, attack the stone base underneath the asphalt. Think of asphalt as a thick coat of paint. It really doesn't have a whole lot of strength. The strength, the compressive strength and the drive-on ability is from the crushed limestone base underneath that asphalt so you're trying to protect that you just want to keep the water from getting to the stone underneath the asphalt that's what sealing the cracks is all about even whether it's caulk you know caulking concrete or filling cracks in asphalt they're two kind of different things one is sealing and the other is protecting the subgrade okay yeah so how how long should i wait when i go to seal those cracks should i wait uh, three or four days a week what make sure that uh, that uh, obviously depends on how deep it goes how long you should wait yeah I I wait a few days because then with the stuff soaks in and shrinks I still have this big crevice down there I'd go back and seal it again so sometimes I might over a period of two weeks you know fill my cracks two or three times and then when it's filled up pretty close to the surface you know or I get tired of dumping this stuff in the cracks then I I'll seal the driveway so Yep. So you, can you put like a filler type thing out in in the cracks? If they're fairly large, which I really don't have too too large, should you put like sand down in there as a filler to keep from that just sinking down into your asphalt or? Yeah, not sand. You, uh, the you need a backer. The issue, when you're getting them that wide, where you really can dump sand down there, uh, then it's time to start thinking about repaving your your driveway. Uh, the issue around sand is you dump sand down there in the summer, and it sits there, and then what happens is that asphalt gets really hot, and the pieces of asphalt push on the cracks, and then you're sliding your as your asphalt expands, gets bigger, and slides apart. So it's pushing the pieces apart. That's why you really don't want to dump. Sand sand down uh you know in the asphalt because it's too solid now if you put something in there like newspaper or a backer rod for concrete you know that foam rope stuff you know that you know if you're if you're able to get that in it's time to recoat your asphalt with a new layer of pavement there you go okay tony thanks for the call scott mosby kmox we're gonna take a short pause and come back for more on university of kmox Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Hour 2 coming up next after news, weather, and sports. Next up, let's talk to my friend Daryl. Hey, Daryl, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? Daryl, are you there? Oh, hang on. Let me see which button I can press. Are you there, Daryl? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, my apologies. No, no worries, no worries. Uh, My question, I have a dishwasher, and every time we're using it, it has this squealing sound uh, when it's demanding for water. I was just wondering uh, what your thoughts were on that. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Um, uh, There's a little pig inside there that when it runs, it gets squeezed, and you get that little squeak. Not really, but it's similar to that. It's your solenoid valve, which is the water filler on-off valve. Uh, And think of it as it's got a magnetic opener device. 
and a spring shut. So when the electric is not running to that valve, the spring pushes it shut. So that spring, even when the magnet opens this valve, that spring is still trying to push it closed. After some years of, uh, or high water pressure, and this is where, you know, the, the note uh, about high water pressure wears out appliances, dishwashers, uh, clothes washers, things like, this is what it's talking about. That solenoid valve, that electrically, magnetically opener valve doesn't get fully shut. And when it's uh, not okay. fully shut, you're getting this, you know, the sound of right. that water whistling through at that pressure. If you have high water pressure, 100 PSI, anything over 85, that solenoid valve will get uh, replaced before your dishwasher or clothes washer wears. It's just, it's very common in appliances. Okay. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a modern convenience and right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a good trade. You know, I don't have to, you know, I have a clothes washer. I don't have to do it with my hands. Right, right. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, good luck there, Daryl. Take Thanks. care. Bye. Bye. And, and think about that. It's just so clothes washers and dishwashers, it's the same thing. Uh, so, FYI. Uh, let's see if we can sneak Joe in here. Hey, Joe, good morning. Welcome to Cam Wex. Are you there, my friend? Let me Guys, see if I can. Good morning to you, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Joe. Uh, make it quick. I've got about a minute. Okay, I've got two quick questions for you. Yeah. The uh, first one has to do with my furnace blower motor speed. Should yes. I have it on auto so that it cuts on and off every 15 minutes, or should I run it continuously? I run mine continuously all the time because it'll cost you about you know 15 cents a day. It filters the air, and it averages out the temperature in the whole house. It's a, it's a cheap trade. Got it. Okay, and the next quick question is, what was your recommendation on ice melt for the driveway, concrete driveway? Oh, uh, I prefer the better quality ones. Uh, so uh, I'm going to drop you off here, Joe. Uh, okay. Catch you down. Uh, anyway, the better one is calcium chloride or magnesium chloride. The more you're spending for the stuff, the better it is. Just that simple. Uh, sodium chloride salt, not the right product. So uh, uh, sodium chloride salt, cheap. Uh, destructive to your concrete calcium chloride better but uh, then you get to the magnesium and calcium magnesium magnesium chloride those get to be liquids very pricey be right back KMOX at your service welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive one mile west of 141 now here's your host Scott Mosby on KMOX all right, lunchtime, bean time, center of the day. It is University of KMOX, Scott Mosby at the switchboard. We are connecting answers and questions. If you have one or the other, bring it on. You are part of the KMOX listening family, as am I, part of the KMOX listening family. Also have the pleasure and the uh, opportunity to be on the microphone. That's kind of fun. I enjoy it because it is a... Uh, uh, it is a learning uh, time for me, mo most definitely. So, uh, as indicated with my story about vinegar and various things like that. So, anyway, 314-436-7900, 436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. My day job is Mosby Building Arts. It's a company my father founded. I'm second generation. It's now spun off to the third generation of uh, our clients, associates, as well as the people that uh, are uh, rowing the boat 
every day and doing a great job. My uh, gratitude goes out to uh, the people that are uh, really making the world turn around. And uh, golly, I'm not sure sometimes whether it's turning the uh, way that it used to or spinning backwards. But uh, all of those, I think, we've experienced during this year. And sometimes we had no idea which way the world was spinning. Uh, uh, What can I say? 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I invite your phone calls. Really welcome them. Enjoy my time here on KMOX. Uh, let's fire it up. And uh, Bosco, you doing okay back there? That's my pet gerbil. He's on a treadmill, and he turns out not quite 50,000 watts. A little help from Amarin on the power grid, and we get her done that way with uh, KMOX. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Brian. Hey, Brian, good afternoon. Welcome to lunchtime. Afternoon, how can I help you here on lunch? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Brian. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Okay. I uh, bought some property back in, uh, it was built in the early 70s. Okay. Uh, It's a split foyer. We bought Mm -hmm. it in the early 80s. And the thing about it is I'm thinking about having the the doors go out to be replaced. Now, I have a false door and a regular door. Yep. Okay? Yes. Okay. Now, on the... uh, Back side, what it is right now, is basically drywall in the interior with the, uh, you don't see the, in, the inside of a false door. But what I'm hearing is, oh, that's going to go, and you'll see the interior of a false door. Is that normal? Um, it's not normal. It was an unusual way to make a split foyer uh, work because if you have a split foyer, usually the foyer is just about the size of a pair of double doors. If you swing open both those doors, there's no place for people to stand. So they typically would frame over one and it was a single door. You will find, uh, and it's 50 50. Sometimes the actual wall framing extends over and it's framed for one door, and the header is only the structure is built only for one door. And sometimes they built those things for a double door, so the structure and the header and the opening is already there. It depends, but uh, your choice is primarily uh, to your your better choice, I think, is to go ahead and put in a double door if it fits. The unusual part is they made some of those openings really a strange size. They just didn't follow the conventions of normal door and frame sizes. So uh, it's well, a pricey see, I would little like thing. Add both doors in yeah. there, but then uh, being told by them and my kids that well. You can't put in a regular door where the false door is because of the structure of your going down to the other foyer and your... Sure. Yeah, and it won't work. The fact is that you'd have to be uh, somebody really small because you'll hit no. your head on that uh, stuff there going down the downstairs foyer. And it's that, and I don't know, but that's you, what's happening you- here, guy. Are you trying to lower the door, or are you trying to replace the door? I'm replacing the door. Both doors will be the same level, one regular, one false. Right now, the false door on the inside has basically drywall. But they're telling me, uh, we're going to put the false door in to look exactly like the regular door on the outside. And on the inside, you'll see 
the uh, interior of a false door. Yeah, Brian, uh, this is I'm going to get into how businesses are built. Uh, a carpenter can change the structure of this opening with not a big trouble. It's not a big deal. Unless you have two feet of snow on the roof, then it becomes a little more problematic. But the issue is, if you're buying from a window and door company, they just do windows and doors. They don't change frame aid. They don't adjust, address structure. Um, and they're frankly usually not even capable or, or trained or built for that. Um, you get into a, a carpentry contractor or a remodeling contractor like our company, uh, you know, changing the framing is just not a big deal it's 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 not a hard issue even to remove a structural wall and i was explaining this i think last week the cost comes from the things you have to do after you change the structure so if you take out a wall it's the pipes and the ductwork and the wiring that cost the money putting a header in is pretty much you know a couple of smart guys for a day and in they go and they cut out anyway so it's possible the structure is easy it really turns out to be uh, what kind of a company you call you'll get different answers according to their capabilities and the business model if they have all the uh, construction skills trades in their one company this is just a no-brainer for them but when you get into a simple window replacement company or a door replacement company they really aren't staffed trained or even insured to change structure and they shouldn't and they so they have enough sense to say no we're, we're not going to do this or sometimes they'll say it can't be done which means it can't be done by us so, uh, Brian, you, you can get what you want. It'll cost you a few extra dollars more, but it's more which company you're calling and, and what type of company you're calling. Uh, I have a whole bunch of compatriots in the remodeling business that, you know, these companies are carpentry-based, and, you know, they could do it with their eyes closed. So it, it's possible. Uh, uh, they do windows and doors. That's what their expertise is. Yeah, but that means they replace into existing openings, windows and doors. So that's the difference between who you're talking to. You really just need to get to a more full-service company, and they can handle any and all of it and, and do every day. So it's just what type of company you're calling. Give my company a call, Mosby Building Arts, uh, or somebody like that, and it is just not a complex deal. It's it, it, the cost comes from more rechanging the drywall and painting the drywall. You know, you're going to get into more peripheral work on that, but it, it's not a complex replacement. Okay, so you're telling me is basically what they're saying is, well, you'll see the interior of the false door instead of the drywall. Yeah, I mean, we will tear the drywall and the framing out so that a conventional pair of doors goes in. It's just... It gets done all the time. Okay. How about when I asked them about the thing with these doors, I want the false door not to have any, like, latches or knobs or anything on it. It might look like the regular door, the entry door, mm -hmm. and but I told them I don't know about the kids and everything else from that, so... Well, usually the fixed door of the pair, of the new pair, will have slide bolts on it. So, you know, with generally, even if there's a doorknob on that second door, the one you don't go through every day, that thing's pretty well bolted in. You know, you're going to have to be a kid that's six feet tall to get up to the top latch and unlatch the top of that door. That second door, even on a pair of doors, 
you know, that rascal's pretty well bolted in there when it's closed. So whether you have hardware or not, um, it, it's a, you know, for security reasons, it literally bolts down into the floor or the threshold of the door on the bottom and up above in the head of the door. So security is not a problem, and whether you have hardware on it or not, that can be achieved. Okay, well, one last question. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the... Out here in Franklin County, like us talk about hard water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Langston, lime. Uh, see, I've got this uh, bathroom had remodeled that has go- gooseneck, uh, I think, for mowing or some company like that. And yeah. I've noticed that it's creating so much lime around where you get the water out. Yes. And somebody told me that uh, take a, a bag of of uh, vinegar, vinegar, yeah, yeah, yeah. And put and get your rubber band and stick it up there and let it soak, and that stuff could would actually come off. My yep. statement is: Will that affect that stainless steel? Uh, yes, it will. So you only you do it, yes, but you just put it up there for an hour. Don't leave it for a day because it is low-grade um, acid, vinegar is. So you just don't want to hang it up there for a day or two. It will affect the finish. So just about an hour is plenty. And then wash it off, rinse it, you know, and use a, a bathroom cleaner around it. You'll be fine. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Scott. You bet, Brian. And and my apologies for that door. It's a little bit unusual but it, believe me, we've been replacing these doors ever since your house was built in the 70s, so it, it gets done all the time. Okay, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We are off and running live and lively, as Mike Miller calls it. We'll take a short pause on University of KMOX and be right back after this. Get home fast and informed. Total Information PM starts weekdays at 4 on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX and KMOX.com. Oh, yeah. The Rolling Stones there. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Oh, Bosco, you and me, buddy, around a little. Yeah, do si oh. All right, enough of that. No more dancing in the studio here. Scott Mosby, KMOX, in hour two. Uh, let's get right back to the phone lines here and talk to my friend Scott. Hey, Scott, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on KMOX. Scott here talking to Scott. How can I help you, my friend? Sure. We've got a two story home. So we've got a furnace that operates the upper level and a furnace that operates the lower level and the bathroom, or excuse me, the the basement. And we've never used the dehumidifier or the humidifiers at all down there. Um, We turned on the humidifier um, for each of the systems, and they seem to work. Um, We do have to replace the filter or the panel in there. Mm -hmm. But the question is, we're getting a lot of moisture in the basement, but... Uh, it seems like it's too much, but we need the moisture for the main level. Um, how do you how do you control the humidity in the basement? If you don't want so much, but you want some in the the main level, how do you how do you regulate that? Uh, so you're running the humidifier on the second floor. Um, trying to humidify. Yes, we're the running first. it on the second floor yeah. as well as the first floor, and then in the basement. Mm-hmm. The basement is controlled by one furnace, which also controls the, the main level, the first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this, the, the main level, um, we need the, the humidity, but the basement, we don't need the humidity. Do you have a humidistat or a degree, you know, you can turn up or down the, 
the humidifier? We do. We have it set um, based on our um, air conditioning heating person. They told us to set it around 30 to 35 percent. Mm-hmm. But someone slept in the basement and they woke up in the morning with uh, moisture on their cell phone. So it tells us that there's probably too much going to the basement. It could be. Uh, it could be also the difference in temperature. Number one, the direct answer is run your blower motor. Set, you know, go ahead and humidify your second floor, but run the turn the blowers to on because you can have hot and cold as well as wet and dry states. So, or if you have ceiling fans, turn those on at a very slow um, movement rate because what you want to do is mix up that air so that you move the high humidity on the basement up to the first floor. Uh, moisture settles, so if you think about fog in a valley, you know, the fog generally sits low. Um, so think about that. You just want to lift it up to the main floor, and as you run your blower on the first floor in the basement, basement as well as the second floor you're going to mix up the first second and third or the basement first and second floor a little better than that and just keep in mind your basement will always be more humid because moisture has weight and it settles low uh just you know common sense on that but uh, keep in mind that it will be more moist but if you're seeing moisture that means the basement is hitting the dew point and that is a temperature as well as moisture levels. So if you raise the temperature of that basement up 10 or 15 degrees, you will not have condensation on the phone. So the same level of moisture on the first floor in the basement, if the basement's 10 or 15 degrees cooler, it will condense in the basement, but not on the first floor. So it may not be a difference in humidity, just the difference in dew point slash temperature. You following the logic with that? Yes. Yes. And and what would you recommend the, the setting be? Is 30 to 35 percent, is that an appropriate place or should it yeah. be lower than that? Yeah, I set mine at 30 percent on a real humidistat, so it runs pretty close to 30 percent. And the basement will be, you know, 35. The first floor will be, you know, 29 and the second floor might be 33. So it they're not always, they're still... Sub, I mean, these aren't uh, NASA-run heating and cooling systems. These are good furnaces built for houses, so they're not going to be perfect, but you will inherently have a little more moisture in the basement. You've got a concrete floor. You've got concrete walls. You know, whether it's finished or not, it's still just big um, moisture will move through concrete, whereas not so much through your frame walls upstairs. Gotcha. So the key is to run the fan all the time, like you told someone else earlier, not yeah. just when the, the heat is, is uh, running. Yeah, think of it this way. You have a free humidity source down in the basement. Just blow it around the rest of the house. Gotcha. That, and that free humidity source being all that concrete. So, you know, it, go with the flow. You know, it's uh, and do change those pads. I change my humidifier pads every year just because when they stay wet, you know, all winter long, I, I don't necessarily want the goodies that grow on those things. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, Scott. Good luck, my friend. Good question. Thank you. 
Home improvement, there we go. And humidity is very important. Uh, and sometimes having too much can uh, happen in the winter. Uh, I very often, uh, and used to get email questions all the time. I've got, I just had new windows put in. I have new blinds to cover my new windows. I close the blinds and my windows are bad because I've got water droplets all over the window. Well, what's happening, your windows may be really, really high quality windows, but by covering the drapes, by closing the drapes, even on very highly insulated windows, you're dropping the temperature between those drapes and the glass. And the glass, even highly insulated glass, might be an R value of 2.8. That's a, that's a really high one. Uh, but you're still one-fifth of the insulated value of a drywall-framed insulated wall. So you're by nature creating the droplets of water on that glass, even though you have very high quality windows. And that's why I get so deeply into dew point um, and, uh, you know, that conversation because the weather forecast uh, person talking about the dew point has a direct effect on building materials because basically our buildings are trying to fool Mother Nature into creating an artificial environment inside of a box. And we're trying to fool Mother Nature, keep her outside and create our own inside. That's a tall order when you're trying to fight, fool, get away with Mother Nature. A 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see if we can sneak uh, Lou in here. Hey, Lou, good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wex. How can I help you, my friend? Well, I just have a comment about the uh, toilet problem. Yeah. Um, I have a building in a small town. I'm in Calhoun County. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, You guys invented uh, mineral deposits, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the water system is archaic. Yeah. And it just, you a new bathroom was put in and everything. And mm-hmm. you couldn't right away, the, pipe, the plumbing in town is so bad. And, uh, you know, it's probably the old black pipes. Yeah, and so it, it was so good, but now the, with the mineral buildup, it's filled with minerals. So yeah, yeah. Okay. well, the contamination of that and the, oh, the system yeah. is for, for sale, like they've done in neighboring counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, another company bought it, but one of the things I use, and I have to clean the blackout quite often in the flush tank mm-hmm. uh, oh. with a brush. But what I use first, I use something called Santine. Santine, that's new to me. Well, it's been around. Uh, I worked at a hardware store and we sold it. Uh-huh. And it's you can clean dehumidifiers and everything with it. Uh, it's pretty potent. Yeah. But uh, put that around in there, and then I put it in the overflow where it runs down and around the rim. Then it'll clean that, dissolve that, and also the lime. It doesn't take long to build lime up in the stool. Yeah, uh, and it'll take that. And uh, if you let it go too long, then I have to sometimes, if I don't have enough patience, then I have to use a pumice stick and clean that. But this Santine, it's and it's got a label on it, of course. Uh, but it will go down through. And we were amazed in our old building when we put that all in and let it set a day. How how it took out cleaned so much of that stuff in the old bathroom or yeah. restroom. But this is, um, uh, it's different places. I'm surprised some of the other stores don't handle it, but one of the lumber yard here in the area does. But uh, it's 32 ounces in a bottle, okay. and it's a brown bottle with blue label. It's um, not really inexpensive, but it's so good. 
Yeah. To, and put it in that overflow. And uh, But the black thing, all I can do is take the brush and I dump some in there too, and then I swab that around and get it out. And it's just, it's in not a month till it's filthy wow. again. Wow. And that's the system and is so working. They have trouble with their clothes washers and everything yeah. uh, in that. So if the company will buy that, and spend like they did in the other counties, that will help. But and that is very good stuff, and it's and so many people have never heard of it. Huh. And so it, I think it's out of Michigan. Not wow. supposed to be advertising here, but <laughs> well, but good products. You know, I, I like to share them. So uh, you know, yeah. likewise, Santine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. S A N T W E N. It's um, okay. Uh, I've you know I've used the others too, Clear C L R and all that, and not had the look that uh, the, you know, the, yeah. the job that this one does is worth a little expense. And, and it's pretty, you know, you can make it go well. But it will go down and let it sit in there, and it'll that lime ring around in there. It'll usually take it all off and let you just let it go too terrible long. Wow, wow. Well, Lou, it sounds like it's just a little stronger on the acid and, you know, it doesn't necessarily get to the retail places. It's a little distributed more through the wholesale, which makes a lot of sense. So, Well, no, this is through Lumberyard here, and uh, I've tried it at the other box stores. Huh. My cousin did down in Alton, didn't find anything, but it dissolves rust, lamb, and scale. Wow. Yeah. And it made with Galesburg, Michigan. Okay. Where it's from, yeah. Hey, Lou, well, I don't you. know. That's the what it's worth department. It costs you exactly what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When we're faced with that uh, black marks in the bowl and the and the tank, you know, it, it, it facing several hundred dollars, you know, $13 yeah. is a good deal. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I listen to you all the time, and occasionally I've called in. But I thought this one here just uh, – I'm amazed that even a box store, a big box store, is not there. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of amazes me. But the hardware store I used to work at, we sold it, and then the lumber yard here sells it too. All right, thank you. So anyway, thanks okay. for taking my call, and, and Merry New Year. Thank you, thank you, thanks. <laughs> Lou offering Santeen, S-A-N-T-E-E-N, as a mineral scale uh, uh, remover. Thank you, Lou. Happy New Year as well. Uh, let's take a short pause. Uh, Bosco's a little tired, so it's really, I can talk forever. You know, I get paid to drink coffee and talk. Do you believe that? Yeah, I mean, really, think about it. I get, I get paid to talk. Here on University of KMOX. We'll be right back. Get ready for a football Sunday on KMOX as the Chiefs take on the Chargers. Touchdown, Kansas City! Pre-game at 11, kickoff 12 noon. Hear it here, the Chiefs and Chargers on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We are live and lively. Uh, for many of these questions here, high humidity, cold spots, all that sort of thing, turn your blower motor on your thermostat to on. Turn it to on. Uh, for example, uh, if you turn it to auto, A-U-T-O, then when the furnace needs to add heat to your home, that fan will come on a little bit before the heat starts. So the temperature goes up and down and up and down. If it's by the window, say in the corner of an outside wall, then that corner is going to get 
cold earlier, and then that cold gets closer and closer to the thermostat inside the house. So you're going to have cold spots. Turn the blower motor to on, and it's just like a big mix master blender in your kitchen. It just keeps blowing the air and mixing the air and moving the air around from floor to floor if you have multi-floors, or you know from hot spots to cold spots and cold spots to hot spots. So you're just turning that blower motor on, and it just averages out both the humidity as well as the temperature. Uh, and if you have a humidifier, something that adds moisture into the air, uh, be careful. Make sure you set that to a temperature because that humidifier, if you don't have a controller on it, it'll run more often and you can overly moisturize or humidify your house. Uh, but that's a different topic. Uh, let's see what's going on here with my friend. Uh, let's talk to Bud. Hey, Bud. Good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Yeah, I'm going to listen to you all the time. Um, Thank you. I have uh, I've been using a product called Thrift mm-hmm. to uh, uh, make our drains better, okay. like in the tub and in the kitchen and so forth. And it just doesn't seem to last very long. Uh, would uh, vinegar do it? Uh, vinegar is an acid. I, it, frankly, um, be careful with a drain cleaner. This is where I would ask uh, that you use a, a, like an ecorobic, uh, something for a septic tank, you know, um, product like that that just digests the um, uh, solid wastes. Because, frankly, having roots in a pipe is one problem, but the more common problem with block drains is grease from the kitchen, body oils from bathing, uh, paraffin wax from soap bars and detergents. So just be aware that there are two different things, um, you know, and that's where I come up with the Ridex product. Ridex or several types like that just digest the gooey stuff in there. Uh, that's different. Yeah, but I'm than- not honest septic tank well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Uh, the septic tank whether you have one or not your pipes are all loaded with solid gook anyway i'm sure they're Mm -hmm. they're greased up from the kitchen anyway so -hmm. that's my point and and it's it is not it is a septic tank product that will do the same thing to your pipes uh and and it will not hurt your pipes it is basically my question my, my question was can i use vinegar to clean out my bathtub's pipes. Uh, yes, you can, and it really won't do anything different than the product you're putting in there now. It's an acid. Okay. It will not um, attack grease. Okay. Okay, well, you're very helpful, so thank you very much. Thanks, Lou. Good luck, my friend. But, pro- okay, okay, bye. Okay, Bye. Thank you, sir. And next up, let's see what's happening with uh, Don. Hey, Don, Scott Mosby here. Good afternoon. How can we help? Scott. My water heater has started to leak, and I'm interested in whether you think it's time to put in a tankless water heating system as opposed to continuing with putting in hot water tanks. Uh, how much water do you use, and how often How often do you uh, bathe? That sort of thing. Hot water <laughs> user. I didn't well, need... I, I, I don't need that. It could be grocery or, or make, doing your clothes uh, laundry, too. Uh, just hot water use. Well, we're not huge water users. We're two people in their 80s plus one who's in his middle 50s, and we shower regularly, and we do do a lot of laundry, but okay, uh, it's, it's not huge. Um, 
I would propose then, Don, you could go either way. Uh, there is here's here's how it went. It was tanked water heater. Then it was tankless. Now the latest, greatest new version is a little bit of each. Uh, like so many things happening, you go to one side and then the other side and you wind up in the middle. It'll have a five or 10 gallon tank on it, but it has this behemoth of a tankless water generator that goes with it. So it will deliver tons of hot water forever. But if you're just washing your hands or doing a little bit, a few dishes in the kitchen sink, it doesn't really fire on the big uh, heater other than to heat up that five or 10 gallon, you know, amount of water. So it's called a hybrid or it has a little bit of tank or tankless. I will say that for a standard water heater, you know, material cost that I'm just going to pull numbers out. If it's $500 to buy a tanked water heater, it will be $1,500 to buy a tankless. And for a, a high, a hybrid that has a little bit of both, it might be 1500 to 2000. So you've got to save a lot of money over a long period of time. And a tankless water heater baffles home buyers. So if you're going to bu- sell your house or you plan to move anytime in the next few years, think about the buyer, and that would be a traditional tanked water heater. There's very few. Everybody understands a regular water heater. So some of it is, you know, how much high tech are you willing to put in the house uh, and how that relates to who wants to buy it in the future. I think your answer is spot on, and I've made a decision. Thank you so much. Glad to help, sir. Don, that's what we're here for on University of Take care, Don. Happy New Year, brother. All right. uh, Next up, let's see uh, what's happening here with my friend Chris. Hey, Chris. Scott Mosby here. How can I help, sir? Hey, Mike. Um, uh, Thanks for taking the call. I have a question related to I live on some property, and I'm surrounded by a lot of houses with uh, septic tanks. Yeah. And one of them, uh, well, and wells, and there's some water running downhill into a swale by my lake, and I'm trying to figure out how would I determine if that is septic runoff or well runoff or what it is, um, you know, so that I know whether I need to call the county and say, hey, I got got an issue here. Yeah. Uh, Number one. Uh, if it is a septic or effluent, it will have all kinds of oils in it. So generally, if it sits in a puddle for several days, normally at a warmer temperature, it will get colors in it. So it takes on a blue color, kind of silverish edges. So there's more than just water going on. Because if you've got water, well, you know, potable water, there's really nothing in that water except a few minerals, and it doesn't really change colors. So if you can take a short uh, sample of that, just dip it up in a little glass uh the county will happily they'll send that to a lab you may have to pay for it 10 or 20 dollars or something like that but they do uh samples like this all the time because they most definitely want you know healthy environments and and us with our water systems and septic tanks i'll bet if you're asking me the question there's a 70 percent probability it's septic tanks because they get underserviced. people don't pump them out they don't, some buy a house and they don't even know it needs to be pumped out so my guess is it's most likely a septic tank runoff from a plugged up lateral field or somebody just hasn't maintained their system you know and that's very common especially around lakes municipalities and are getting very um um, assertive on um, checking these things out oftentimes lakes now need to have the septic tanks inspected once a year by people who live on and around lakes because what can happen to those uh, bodies of water 
not to mention I live in Franklin County where there's a ton of clay in the septic field. So. Oh, oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, getting that the <laughs> soil in Franklin County to perk or, or separate, or, you know, or get rid of water is, uh, you know, that's like trying to make the stuff run uphill. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. I will uh, put some in a cup and or a little bottle and see what happens. Thank there you. There you go, Chris. Good luck, my friend. Scott Bye-bye. Mosby. Home Improvement. Happy New Year to all. Let's take a short pause and come back for more after this on University of KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah. Great day here. Lots of good phone calls. Uh, super things going on. I appreciate the callers and all the offers of opportunities, materials, products, methods. Uh, that's why I like this show so much. Uh, let's fire it up and get back to David here. Hey, David. Good afternoon. Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Wide and loud. All right. Very good. Well, first of all, your show really went down the toilet today. <laughs> it sure did. So, you know, thank you for, for noticing. I appreciate that. Well, no, that's not my comment or question, actually. But anyway, <laughs> no, I appreciate my it. comment is is that mm-hmm. the you, you alluded to it after your call, first call about the cleaning the toilet bowl out was the muriatic acid. Yeah. It's very, very effective, except, um, and I know you know this, you failed to mention, though, that you need to have a well-ventilated, you know, oh, uh, yeah. house during yeah. that. I mean... Uh, the vinegar works in, let's say, 24 hours. The muriatic acid works in an hour. But during that time, it's got to be ventilated. Yeah, it's a uh, nasty cut. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, no, the other thing is, is that if I was a salesman for your company, I would have already sold 15 water softeners today. <laughs> All right? And yeah. you failed to mention that part of it. And then my question is, if you don't mind, sure. um, I, I, I have rental property that I have to uh, – uh, most of them are concrete driveways, and I know how to clean. Uh, you know, I'm a big muriatic acid fan. Anyway, uh, I clean them um, and then seal them. But I have one property is asphalt, and uh-huh. I'm afraid to use muriatic acid on that. What's your opinion on that? Muriatic acid actually attacks the lime in the concrete, so it doesn't necessarily clean the concrete. It removes chunks of the concrete. So if you're cleaning well, the concrete, what we call it, etching it. Yeah, oh, perfect. Well, you understand. You know what you're doing. Uh, it does nothing to asphalt. Uh, the only thing it touches in asphalt is if you have limestone aggregate as the rock inside your asphalt. So there's no benefit to using a muriatic acid or a vinegar on asphalt it's pretty much a rubbery process on that oily asphaltic binder well what would you advise then to use oh i I just use soap and water rinse it off and then seal it with a traditional uh you know uh, asphalt sealer i do want the dirt and the old stuff off so it's really just send it through the car wash rinse it dry it and then coat it all right no wax no wax. Oh, please, no wax, because the coating, your wax, you, you got me again. There, well, see, now I got out of the toilet. I'm on the driveway now. I'm moving I up. I, hey, I listen to your show every Saturday. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're right. We were in the toilet for a long time. We're probably going right back there, you know. Anyway, Happy New Year. Scott Mosby here, KMOX. Let's see who's been waiting the longest. Go, uh, Tina. Hey, Tina, how you doing? Good afternoon. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome. I have a couple of questions. Um, mm-hmm. One is a water heater. 
I partially caught a show you did a few weeks ago, but I I missed some of the data on it. We have um, a water heater that was in the house and we bought it 24 years ago. Wow. It's um, it's I know <laughs> it's it's leaking a little now, and we are going to have to have it replaced. But my question is, um, I've heard a lot of problems with big you know the box store things and people mm-hmm. saying that they're failing before 10 years or by 10 years. I I would like your opinion on what is the best quality water heater um, that we can look for or company we can go to. Uh, some of it was earlier in the show, not directly on this, but who sells what to whom. If you're selling or if I'm selling a water heater to a plumber, and how long that water heater lasts is tied to his reputation, that plumber's only going to buy really good water heaters. Okay. Uh, whereas if you and I walk in and we start looking at water heaters, what's the difference between a $330 water heater and a 500 We don't know. You know, it's long, more words up there. But the point being that the products that are distributed through wholesale supply houses to a plumber are generally, uh, and you can buy you know, cheap stuff there too, but it's a better quality product because the plumber is going to put his warranty on it for a year, two years, and his reputation. So frankly, I like A.O. Smith, uh, A-O-S-M-I-T, A.O. Smith. It's pretty much, and they have, you know, it's like a car line. They have the inexpensive one, this one here, and then this one here, and then the tankless up at the top and all. So anyway, my point being that some of it is through the distribution method that manufacturers use. And, and if they're selling to the trade, the trade is going to protect their reputation. I, I mean, because the cost of labor is so much, why would they use a cheap water heater to trash their own reputation? So That makes perfect sense. And I've seen that in some of my research, but I, I'm trying to learn about it. So I, I just didn't really know. Yeah, um, good question. I have an, another question, please, about foundation. Um, I think my husband's already said that we'll call Helitech, but we've had some water issues and we have... We live in the city. It's a gingerbread house. Mm-hmm. It um, was finished, built about the early 1930s. Um, we've noticed some settling in the corner that has the real chimney where our, where our boiler room is because we have boiler heat on the first floor, which we love. Um, but we've noticed some settling and some cracking in the brick in the front, like a stair step. Yeah. And if is it possible to have that short you know, back up and then does that fix the wood that's, you know, moving around the frames of the doors and the window on that side? Or do you know if that's possible? Oh, yeah. Uh, Number one, St. Louis is a town built on clay. So we're we're just fraught with issues like this. Um, You know, we we have a town named after clay called Claytown or Clayton. So uh, that's, we, we just have this. So yes, Helitech uh, raises and, and stabilizes these foundations all the time. Uh, they won't necessarily fix the wood or whatever, and nor would they even advise it to be fixed right away because generally they'll put it in, you know, they do a lot of testing and then they'll check and then they'll recommend. But likewise, right after that, you can fix it right away, 
but I kind of like to wait a month or two or a season change before I go at fixing some of these things because some of that is a feedback method of whether or not, you know, we, we got it. Um, and, you know, Helitech's warranty is, is fine. They'll come back, you know, for the life of the structure anyway. So anyway, uh, yeah, this is something they do. Uh, it's very common in the city of St. Louis. Okay, I was work. worried. Yeah. I was feeling worried because we've had the water and we've tried to figure out all the ways you know, it's still coming in somewhere, and we just have to get it figured out. And it was—it's been making me nervous. But I think—I think now, I, you know, the house is original, so nothing's been changed to it. It's all plaster walls, original okay. woodwork. So. Okay, Tina. Take care. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for calling. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Stay tuned. Retire Ready coming up next on Camo X.